Oh, Father, you are so good. You, you sent your son. He is broken and spilled out for us, for our sake. He became sin, he who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, that is such mind-blowing. Lord, thank you for doing that for us. Lord, stir our hearts this morning. That's what we ask. God, may your spirit awaken. May you convert. May you make us alive in Christ this morning. Would you stir us up for the kingdom work you've called us to do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What is the best tool? What is the best tool? We've got folks here that work or have worked at a hardware store. We've got guys who have man sheds and ladies that have she sheds full of tools. What is the best tool? Rank them your most bestest tool. What is it? My wife would say her husband. That's the best tool. Nobody laughed at that. Come on. Is it a wrench? Is it a crescent wrench? Because you can adjust it. Maybe it's the vice grips because you can clamp down on things and really get a good grip. Maybe it's the hammer. Maybe it's, maybe it's the drill. How often do you use your drill? Think about it. Or the saw, which might not be strong enough. So maybe it's the table saw. And depending on who you ask, what is the best tool? The hand. The hand is a pretty good tool. Chainsaw. Um, some might say the printer, the computer, is the best. As you see, it's very hard to, to come up with an answer to that because really the answer is, well, it's the right tool for the job. The best tool is the right tool for the job. If you don't have the right tool, you can have a hammer all you want, but you're not going to drill a hole with a hammer, right? Here's a, here's a question for us, and a, a statement, I should say, a statement for us. Um, I was reading from... Uh, this just last night from Tim Challey's website. He's a popular blogger and uh, Christian uh, spokesperson who I've followed for years. Uh, faithful, gospel-centered man. He said this. The local church was founded by God for the purposes of God and the glory of God. Our task is not to define it according to our own desires or anyone else's but to learn how God defines the church, then to follow him in obedience. Ultimately, the church exists to bring glory to his name through worship, discipleship, and evangelism. And in this way, and so many others, the local church is God's plan. It is the hope of the world. As I began to think about tools or began to be thinking about the church, I began to think, well, the church is an instrument. It's a tool for God to use. God doesn't just give us a church so we have a place to sing, a place to pray or anything like that. God has given the church as something to accomplish something. 
Micah, as you work at a hardware store, someone comes in and says, hey, I need something to cut this thing off. You're, you're not going to give him a lawnmower. You know that there is a tool to do the job that he needs to do. God has so instituted the church to be a place to do something and accomplish something, not just merely a place for us to be or come. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. 17 years ago, I think last week, uh, I came to this church. It began in youth ministry, and it, I cannot leave youth ministry. It's always there. I've been here for 17 years. And this is what God has called me to do in this church. Ephesians 4, 11, 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. That's, that's my group. Shepherds and teachers. And he gave the church the gifts of these people. Verse 12, to do something. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God has given me a role in this church as a shepherd and teacher, as an elder in this church, to equip you, the saints in the church, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, I take that, that very seriously. And we have young men in our church who have said, I want to pursue that role as well. The church that I've been a member of two churches my whole life, the church I grew up in and this church, church I grew up in. We had several people who are who gave their life as some of our young men and some of our young ladies have given to ministry, to doing the work of the Lord. It, it delights me greatly. To see the Lord raising up young people in our church to go forth and say, I am willing to do the work of ministry. And whether that be in this church, whether that be in another church, no matter where it is, God has called me to minister to his people and to build up the body of Christ and to build up and to do the work of ministry. That's why we have a church. That's, that's why we're here A few words on, on our youth ministry and the state of our youth ministry. Today will be, again, like I said earlier, different than our normal message. Uh, and today what I hope to give is the state of the church. As a president often gives a State of the Union address to Congress, I'm going to give uh, my thoughts on the state of our church. And then ch give some challenges for us as a church of things we need to be planning on doing. Our youth ministry... Uh, we are trying to raise a group of ministry leaders for our next generation. We have, I think I counted five people in our youth ministry that want to commit themselves to ministry. And I'm asking you as a church to pray for them. Tristan Williford, raise your hand. Just y'all raise your hand so people know who you are if they're new. Tristan has given his life to ministering. Jonathan Aber to ministry. Hannah Franks to ministry. There she is. Adeline Vaughn 
given her life to ministry. Eli Horton, given his life to ministry. I believe that's five. Did I miss anybody? Please pray for these young people. What are we doing about that? Brother Stephen has said, well, this is something that's very serious, and we want to do something about it. Every first Wednesday of the month, our ministry young people are leading our children's ministry. They're preparing a lesson, they're preparing games, and they've begin, begun to do this. We want the church to be a place where our young people say, I can learn how to minister to others because I'm a part of a healthy church that's doing what we need to do. And so they're taking an active role in leading ministry on every other Wednesday night. I don't know if you've noticed, but on Sunday nights, our youth are here. They're in this building participating in Bible study and worship on Sunday night. So proud of our young people. And church, you are pouring into them. But I hope that y'all see that they are pouring into you as well. When we have meetings, when we have fellowships at the church, 4th of July event, when we have our passion play, our teenagers were heavily involved in the ministry that's going on in this church. And I don't know if y'all can tell, but they bring life and noise. But life oftentimes to, to our church. And that is a, a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see. Our youth are, are honoring God and, and are submissive to what God is calling them to do. It's, it's great. Guys, keep it up. Y'all are doing a good job. Keep it up. I have three main thoughts for you today. Um, three main thoughts of, of what we as a church, what we need to be thinking about. Uh, if you're a guest here today, like we're, you're one of the reasons why we're here. It's because we want to, you to know that, that we have a, a mission, that we've been given a mission by God to do something. We're not just a church to, to gather and, and go through a service on Sunday mornings. We are a people called by God to do something. And in order to accomplish that mission, I'd like to give us three thoughts of a way that specifics that God has called us to, to do uh, in 2022 and beyond. Uh, the first one is this. Uh, this year of 2022, we've kind of called together together in 2022. So we have a theme each year. The year this year. As a, a church, we, we felt like being together in 2022 was important because there was so much not-togetherness in 2020 and 2021 that being together as a body of people was important. And so I'm thankful that our, fuse, our pews are now filling up again. There, there were some hard weeks when, when our pews were not so full. And, and our church, thankfully, has committed themselves to being together of making a sacrifice at times to be together at events when we have people who work all night and then show up for church the next morning because they think it's important to be together. And this is a testimony to you as a church to say you have taken that. As a local church, it's important for us to spend time together doing things. And lifting a heavy load is much easier when you have lots of people around you to help lift. And there's a reason at a funeral, it's not a pallbearer. It's pallbearers because you're bearing a burden together. And there's, there's much to say about that. That is symbolic of, 
of, of a group of people doing it. That's what we're doing. But, but I want to also let you know that, that it's not just, just our local church that needs to be together. Uh, we have started an initiative to bring back our unity services. And um, Alicia from Bayou Sorrel Baptist Church, whom many of you know, uh, she has committed to taking leadership of planning the events. But we have about uh, six area churches that we're, we're meeting together. And, and we're going to meet together about every other month on a Sunday night as churches because we believe that the churches need to be together too. Not just a church, but churches need to be together. So there are six Baptist churches in this area that we're meeting together. We met here last month and, and worshiped together. Which leads me to, to another thing. And that is this. Um, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I, I got word from Brother Tim down to Bayou. Brother Tim is, has resigned from Bayou Sorrel Baptist Church. Uh, he is going to still do ministry and, uh, and hospice ministry. Uh, but he's stepping down in his role as pastor. So I, I want to make you aware, church, that there are churches around us that are in need. Bayou Sorrel, down the bayou, does not have a pastor. Bayou Plaquemine has a new pastor. They're still working through things and are having difficulties in things. And they've shared some things that they need help with things. White Castle Church, where some of you are from, they've been without a pastor for about a year. I talked to Brother Fry, who is one of the leaders in their church. He said, from the seminary, they've gotten, they used to get a hundred resumes. They've gotten two resumes for people interested in serving in their church. Westside Church, right up the road. We helped with VBS last week. Without a pastor, have been without a pastor for about a, a year, going on a year now, I think. We have churches around us that are in need, that need people to, to help. I asked Brother Tim, Brother Tim, how can we help you? How can we help your church? And he said, having people teach and preach and help lead Bible study would be greatly helpful. Can we do that? Can we help our sister church right down the road that needs somebody? So take a moment now and look around. You can look around. There are people around you. And this room has people in it. God has assembled us, I believe. And if you've been around our church for the last six months, you've seen something happening. If you haven't, maybe you haven't been around quite enough. Something's happening in our church. There's life. There's, there are faces that we don't see every week. We have, there are visitors. There's people showing up. We're together. And I believe God is calling us out and raising us up to do something in this community, think about it. This parish, this area, there, is, there, are, there are two pastors of our Baptist faith in this entire, I mean, how many miles are we talking about? The church, we've got to rise up. We've got to do the work that God has called us to do, not to, not to sit, but to do the work. God has called us to do it together, to bear the load together. 
Now, I read from Tim Challies earlier, um, and I don't know if anybody has the logo. I didn't pre-plan this, but if you go to our website, and I did this with my family last night. If you go to our website, we have our church logo, and on our church logo, there are three things that, that it, it calls our church to do. Does anybody know those three things, or can you recall those three things other than my family? I don't share them because we talked about them. There were three things that our church is supposed to be about. What are they? Worship, discipleship, evangelism. Now, if you need a way to remember that, uh, the things that we need to do are the do. Discipleship, evangelism, worship, D-E-W. What do we need to do, church? We need to do. Discipleship, evangelism, worship. Now, Tim Challies is a famous blogger, and he must have gone to our website to get those three things off of our logo. So y'all can know that you got people checking out our website and getting our things because we had that way before that article was written. I'm telling you. Uh, that was years ago. Discipleship. And what is that? That means we are discipling people to be more like Christ. That's a big word, but what does it mean? It means the Bible must be taught. Again, today is odd because normally we're going through a Bible passage. But if you, if you were in one of our classes this morning, I know that uh, a class was taught about Naaman being healed from his leprosy. I know that in a children's class that they talked about Jonah this morning. In our class, we're in the book of Acts. I know that the men's class is in the book of Exodus. Discipleship is learning what God's word says and the learning that I need to conform myself to God's word. And oftentimes what you'll get in a Bible study is, well, in an unhealthy Bible study is how can I make this Bible line up with what I believe? And that's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is a honing practice of saying, I believe God's word. It is an authority over me. Therefore, I'm the one that needs to change, not what the clear meaning of the text is. Discipleship is taking the word of God, presenting it to people in order for people to be able to conform themselves to the image of God and his son, Jesus Christ. So that is discipleship. Jesus said, therefore, go and make what? Disciples. So that's what we're trying to do. Teaching them to obey all that is commanded. That's, that's the discipleship part. You see that? Go, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. That, that's the discipleship part. Evangelism, that is where we go. And that's the first part of that commission. Therefore, go. And we're, we're trying to reach others. So let me present to you our fall uh, outreach event. Traditionally been called Trunk or Treat. We've done it on Halloween night. There are people not, that don't worship with us on Sunday mornings that are there. They come to our campus. We have games. We have candy. We have cakes. We have all sorts of things. We present the gospel in, in ways there. I'm asking for you to take the effort that we put into our passion plan. And let's put it in our fall outreach. A spring outreach, a fall outreach. I have some ideas. Our church council has met. We're working through some things. I want to start planning some Sunday afternoon time to get the church together, working on some booths and some 
challenges that where we can present, walk a family through, walk individuals through a, a set of stations that clearly present to them the gospel through creative means. Where we would take the story of the Exodus out of Egypt and say, look, here's a here's a, a Nile River turned to blood. You need to build a bridge. How can we get over this bridge? You've got to build a bridge. And at the end, you're, you've, you've shown them what sin is, that the bridge is Jesus Christ, that he's the one who truly uh, helps us escape from God's judgment that is coming down and share with them the gospel. That is evangelism, reaching out, getting outside of our, our walls and, and reaching folks that are not in, in a church and, and aren't under the discipleship process. And finally, worship. That's discipleship, evangelism, D-E-W, worship. The church of God must worship God. It's a must. If you are a Christian, your heart cries out. And you cannot but worship. Your nature is, now I'm a worshiper of God. So we meet on Sunday mornings to worship together, to sing together. We come together at different times of the week to study God's word and worship in Bible study. That's worship, y'all. One author's claimed it expository exaltation. Expository because you're taking the the Bible and you're expositing it or working through it word by word, verse by verse. And then you're exalting in it. You're worshiping in it. Discipleship, evangelism, worship. That's, That's our goal. And we, church, God has strengthened this fellowship. He has strengthened us. But we still have some things to work through. Uh, for instance, uh, we, we, are, we are struggling to get committed children's workers at times. Wednesday night, uh, for instance, and, and I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm, I'm giving you the state of where we are. Wednesday night, I got up. We had a visitor in church. I got up to address that visitor that showed up. And I walked. In doing so, I wanted to check on our children's classes. I walked over there. And one of the teachers said, can you stay, please? I was like, yeah, sure, I can stay. They had one of the kids need to go to the bathroom. And didn't have somebody there to help them get that person to the bathroom. Um, we had, in our children's wing, we had enough people to teach and take care of the classes, but we didn't have somebody there to help with additional things. On Sunday mornings, the same people are there each week doing children's ministry. We need folks to volunteer and be a part of that. That's where we are. If you're able to talk to kids and uh, not... And be patient enough not to, to do things you shouldn't do, but to show love and compassion. To, um, I say that in jest, our, our job is to be over there ministering the gospel. If we are people, if, we are, if we're te- treating our children's ministry as a daycare, we've missed the point. Amen. Our children's ministry is a place where, look, sound Bible teaching was going on when I was over there Wednesday night. Sound teaching. They were going through the story and were saying every single thing about the man, the centurion whose son was 
was sick, and um, Jesus told him to go. And, and these four-year-olds and three-year-olds told me the whole story of the centurion. This is ministry to our young people. Why? Why does that matter? Why is it not daycare? Because this is why. Right here. You see this? When they get here, they want to do what's been done to them. Yeah, they want to do what's been done to them. Because we want them to get there where you guys are now doing the ministry of the church. Where we, that, that's who we are. That's what we do. So being together. Secondly, look at, uh, open your Bibles, please. We're turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Ooh, excuse me. In, in the sixth chapter of Galatians, Paul is speaking how, how as a church they're to deal with one another. And I'm going to highlight a few verses. I want you to just see the things that Paul is calling the church in the area of Galatia to do. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. As a church, we need to care for each other. We need to care for each other. How does this happen? Let me tell you, active ministry is going on in the church, but, but we, we need to do this better and broader. We can do it better and we can do it broader. We now have an area in this community that needs more ministry and, and, and we're, we're, we can do it. God has pulled us together. We can do this. In prayer, are you praying for people? Look around. Are you praying for those people? Are we praying for our churches without a pastor? Does that prayer lead us to serve? Does that prayer lead us to help to call people at Westside Church and to call people at Bayusoral Church? Hey, how can we help you? How about benevolence? We care for each other through benevolence. Our benevolence that you give after every Lord's table meeting that we have. The first Sunday of every month, the ushers stand and they accept any benevolence offering you like to give. And that benevolence offering is given to help our church members when they've been out with COVID and they need, they've missed some work time and they need help paying a bill. That happens. When people are out of a job because of a health concern and they need some help. We can help. We care for each other by doing that. We have some people who cook for us every Wednesday night. They feed the rest of the church. Some people are here and they're the first one to shake your hand. These men at the back door, they shake your hand every week. You come in, they're, they're hospitable and they welcome you. We have some who give their hours and hours to teach our classes. That, and that doesn't just happen. It takes study and preparation. Your teachers don't show up and say, oh, what's the lesson say? I, mean, I, I talked to Richard. He comes up here Saturday nights and spends hours, hours preparing to lead the men. And it's not just him. It's, it's, that's what our teachers are doing. Some organize and make sure everything flows because y'all know me. And I need some organizers to help me get some things together. Yes. Look at verse 6 from Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. You, you see there's a, a sharing that goes on that we're caring for each other and helping each other. The one who knows the word teaches the teachers to teach. 
That's good stuff. That's what the church does. That's who the church is. We need each other. Look at verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Isn't that the truth? Hey, church, some of you have done the accounting books or you've cut the grass around the thing for years. Do not grow weary of doing good. Some of you cook breakfast every Sunday morning for people. Do not grow weary in doing good. These are good things that people are doing. Some of you need to pray, I know, every Sunday morning in front of the church. You come and you pray on these pews. Some of you meet every Sunday morning to lead in worship and prepare and practice music for our congregation to sing. Do not grow weary in doing good. Some of you have done children's ministry since you were a children. Do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, God says we will reap if we do not give up. Church, let us not give up the good things we are doing. One other note on this. Y'all got that? Galatians 6, 9, you see it? Let us not grow weary of doing good. Paul's, Paul's he's encouraging us to not stop, but, but notice Paul's expectation is that they are doing good as a church. Let me say that again. Paul's expectation is not, don't stop doing good. In other words, I assume, or I know that you're doing good things. And some of us, we need to think through, well, being a Christian is not just refraining from doing bad things. It, it is doing the good that God has prepared beforehand, Ephesians 2.10, for us to do. What are we doing? It is not Stephen's job to do all the youth ministry and the young adult ministry in the church. It's not his job. His job is to prepare the church to do ministry to youth and young adults. Sometimes we miss that. Are you doing good? You're a member of this church. When you signed up for this church, if you did it under my uh, time as pastor, we met. We talked about membership. Before people join this church, we talk about membership. And we say, this is what membership is. These are the things you're expected to do and to be a part of. And one of those is to be a part of the ministry of the church. Everybody. Because together, that's what we do. Do not grow weary of doing good. Look in verse 10, Galatians 6, 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. There it is. Let's do good to everyone. And especially, and then he, he's going to make a cut there. And especially this group. So do good to everybody. But put your focus on what, church? What does he say? The household of faith. You see that? There is an extra effort, Christian, that you ought to be putting to the household of faith. And those circles are right there. Looking around, you have the household of faith in this room with you. And then looking around our parish right now, we have the household of faith that we can do good to. Last week, last Sunday, 
you would have been so proud, church. A group of church members went and helped put on a VBS at a church, another church in our community. You've been so proud. Church members from our church led music, led games, assisted in Bible study. They're so good. It was so good. We bore one another's burdens. We did not grow weary of doing good. We had opportunity to do good, especially to those of the household of faith. Uh, we, we have things to work through, church. Uh, we have some leadership questions we've got to work through. Uh, coming up, uh, meeting this Wednesday night is our nominating committee. Our nominating committee are those who ask church members to serve in a certain role. For instance, will you be on a finance committee? Will you serve on the ordinances committee and get our Lord's supper table ready every week or be up there when baptisms take place? To get people dressed and dried off. Uh, will you be on the maintenance committee. To help take care of problems as they arise with our building. And our grounds. That's coming. These are all parts of what, what the church is. We have to maintain our facilities. We have to equip our body for ministry. That's, you, you may receive a call pretty soon. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to be a part of the work of this church? And I hope that you will be. Ladies ministry coordinators. Men's ministry coordinators. Sunday school teachers. There are, the calls are coming. Are you prepared? Are you able? Will you serve? And if, if nobody's able, then we won't have that for this year. But we have, we have spots to fill, and our members are expected to fill those spots. And I believe that we will. I do. Y'all have been faithful every year. Romans 12.10. Romans 12.10 says this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. How can we care for each other? We have people in our church going through rough seasons in life. How can, we, how can we love with brotherly affection or sisterly affection? We can show honor to each other. And I began to think about that as I was thinking through this last night. What does it mean to show honor to somebody? So I looked up the word honor. What does it mean? It means to make precious or to make valuable. It means to set a, a high price on something. Uh, my grandparents recently passed away and they had to value every single thing in their house doing an estate sale. Everything in their house had a sticker on it. This is worth 12 cents. This is worth $58. Everything. And you hired somebody who knew the value of things. They came in and they put a sticker on everything in the house. Assigning a value. Church, what is valuable to us? What is, 
What are we showing honor to? And you can think about, well, where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my effort? Those are things that are valuable to me. Does does the kingdom of God fall in there? Is it high on that list? As Christians, kingdom work, where does it fall in there? Some of us may need to make some life adjustments. When you give your life to ministry, and it's not just young people that happens to y'all. Please hear me. Adults are called to ministry often. They're... When you do that, you are saying, I am placing a value on kingdom work above other. I read an article this week about, uh, it was from Texas. It was a a state uh, assessment of churches and pastors in Texas. And it said there were, in, in, in Texas, there's a shortage of pastors. A shortage of pastors. And at the end of the article, it was, Is this a sign of things to come? Where are are the people interested in doing God's work and ministering to God's people? I don't know if you know, pastoring is not the easiest of jobs. And I'm not saying other jobs aren't, aren't hard as well. But ministry jobs are difficult because there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of of people that you're trying to unite and, and keep on track. You're dealing with volunteers when you're talking about service most of the time. There's, there's difficulty. You hear everybody's worst days, and you get a front row seat of that. As a minister, a counselor, or a Sunday school teacher, you hear difficulties, and it's, it's difficult at times. But God has a calling on people to do that. And people need to respond to that calling. And y'all, there's a reason why White Castle's gotten two resumes. There's a reason. Because it's a hard job. And it's in a hard place. And it's not appealing to a whole lot of people. But some... But he's got to put the value there. And I believe God is faithful and he will call people to do his work. And I'm, I'm asking for us as a church, are we ones willing to say there is a value and honor that I'm going to put on my brothers and sisters, the ones I see in here, the ones that are around us. I know the Methodist church is even They're struggling to find someone to fill pulpits. Rotating. Because there's not enough people. And what did Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is a room full of laborers. That that must be what we're we're doing. And there is a harvest here. And a harvest doesn't mean we just walk out and say, hey, are you coming? And they say, oh yeah, I'm coming on. Uh, That's not the harvest. The harvest is you've got to plant the seed and sit out in the sun and water that seed and care for it, and then when the bugs start eating it, you've got to knock the bugs off. It's hard work. I've reached my time. I haven't finished today. So maybe we'll pick up there next week.
What is the message of the church? Let me share with you what the message of the church is. The message of the church is that we believe Jesus Christ was sent by God to represent who he is to a world of people who are broken, who are sinners, who are rebels against what God has commanded. And if you look historically through the Bible, what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that Cain killed his brother Abel because he was jealous of him. That they built a tower to try to make for them name for themselves rather than worshiping God. That by Genesis chapter 6, that every thought and intention of man was evil. And as the world continued to grow and, and population continued to grow, the, the, the evil deeds of people continued to grow and overcome every soul because of Adam's sin in the garden. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners that will repent. Jesus came to call and command those to come to him. And all people, any soul that will come, humble themselves before Jesus Christ, believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he paid for their sin, that any willing to come follow him would have new life, an abundant life, and a, and a, a citizenship in the kingdom of God, a citizenship in heaven that supersedes any citizenship that we have here on earth. It is not about America. It's about Christian citizenship that matters. And Jesus call, is calling us out. If you're not a believer today, if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, his message is clear. Is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Come into the kingdom. Be a part of God's family. Be cleansed of your sin. Without his cleansing, you spend an eternity in God's judgment in a place called hell. And without making any decision, that is where you will be. But God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light for all who would repent of their sin. And if you don't know what repentance is, I'll share briefly. Repentance is a changing of your mind. The Greek word means literally to change your mind. That means that I'm not faithful to my sin anymore I am faithful to a new master and his name is Jesus Amen. and if my sin tells me to be uh, to be a part of lifestyles that are not pleasing to God then I'm willing to leave those because I have a new Lord I have a new authority in my life and so repentance is I don't love you sin goodbye so long Jesus I love you tell me how to live my life now I will do that that's what repentance is. If you'd like to repent of your sins, you go to the Lord right now and say, Jesus, forgive me. Receive me into your kingdom. Save my soul. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, we are asking that as a church, you use us. You draw us together. You center us around the word that you have given to us. The word that Jesus saves sinners and he's calling disciples. Let us be a voice in, in this community, in this parish. Let us be a lighthouse that we proclaim Jesus Christ as the Lord. 
And we invite others to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us be faithful. I pray that and ask God to stir up souls to fill roles in this church. Stir up souls to do ministry. God, help me be a better pastor. And equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Oh God, we love you. We thank you for this church. The faithfulness of 115 years of work that you've done through this church. And may you give us 115 more. God, raise us up to carry, to carry the torch for these next years. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.